Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. This is Hugh Ballou, and my guest today um, has a fascinating background and a real passion for helping leaders in any kind of organization. We're going to we're going to uh, be very specific about scale-up checkup and how it's of value to those of us leading charitable organizations. We like to say, uh, Lauren, we like to say a for-purpose organization. We have for-profit and we have for-purpose. So if you would kindly uh, tell us who is Lauren Cohen, a little bit about your background and what led you to doing this particular initiative today. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange, Lauren. Thank you. I will speak as loudly as I appropriately can without screaming. And thank you, Hugh. It's a pleasure to be on your show, and it's a pleasure to know you, and I'm, I'm excited about our, prop, our opportunities together. So I'm originally from Canada. I moved here in 2001. Um, I became a citizen in 2012, and I was doing immigration law and uh, all types of corporate transactional work internationally for several years, and I kept seeing these recurring themes among businesses that were seeking to raise capital and foreign entrepreneurs or foreign businesses that were looking to come into the country. And the recurring theme was that they were really focused on, you know, sales and marketing and getting coaching and moving moving up the ladder and making money, but they weren't so focused on getting a strong foundation in place. And unfortunately or fortunately, the reality is that you can't really scale your business or often even stay in business if you don't scale up your business. So so in response to kind of uh, this recurring theme, I developed this online risk assessment tool, which helps companies to find their their, uh, missing pieces, their gaps, and fill the gaps so that they can scale up successfully. And it's equally applicable to nonprofits because nonprofits need to scale as much as for profits, because at the end of the day, we're all about making money. It's about where the money goes. That's the main difference between a for profit and a nonprofit. And um, I feel that, you know, as a social entrepreneur with social consciousness, I really am very focused on helping businesses to be able to scale up successfully without hitting all these roadblocks on the way. Not to say that they're not going to hit any roadblocks, but the roadblocks are going to be a lot more manageable and they'll be able to respond to them more effectively because they'll have the right professional team and structure in place to be able to do that. Awesome, awesome. So, so Russell, um, this is Russell Dennis, who's jumped on the call. And uh, you can you can um, you can tell the difference between us because I have more hair. Right, that's the only difference. I that's it. That's it. So, Russell, um, you guys got snow out there in Colorado, didn't you? A little bit. We've got a little bit out here. It wasn't a great deal. More in the mountains, but more about an inch or two here uh, in Aurora. Well, well, um, Lauren is jealous. She's in Fort Fort Lauderdale area, and she didn't she didn't get any snow. Well, I did. I think I mentioned I'm originally from Canada, so I grew up in Toronto, and I definitely know from snow. And I have a lot of good friends that are living in Colorado, and I do a lot of work with. With companies in Colorado and including in the cannabis industry and outside of the cannabis industry. So Lauren, um, tell us a little bit about um, 
uh, more. You're trained as an attorney. What kind of an attorney? I am. So I've been a corporate and immigration concierge attorney doing international law and international handling international legal advisory services for longer than I care to acknowledge. I'm licensed in both Canada and the U.S. and um, have been working kind of with global entrepreneurs, speaking globally all over the world. I mean, you name it. I've been there, I've spoken in Europe and Israel and South America, obviously Canada and the U.S. even. Mexico. Um, so it's been a really interesting ride. And um, I, I, I felt, I've i always felt a calling to the entrepreneurial side of my, uh, my psyche. Um, as much as I love being a lawyer and that training was great. I don't love sitting behind a desk. I love being with people and helping people and making deals happen. And, you know, like the M&A, the mergers and acquisitions lawyers that are on Wall Street, I'm kind of like, that type of mindset, but with my own clients and having a much more um, hands-on approach to working with clients and making sure that all of their moving parts are moving in the right direction. Because at the end of the day, there's so many different things that entrepreneurs have to deal with and small business owners, and for not-for-profit and for-profit, and they just don't know who to trust and who not to trust. So I became this trusted advisor to these businesses on, on an ongoing basis and so decided to turn it into a larger scale opportunity to help these businesses scale and grow successfully. And it's a nice system. It's called, I, I, I'll be happy to share all of the steps with you, but it's a nice system that really helps you to get your structure in place to have a blueprint for success. It's kind of like a business plan for professionals, basically. That's great. Um, do you have a, a volume control on your computer? I do, and I have it all the way up. Okay, so that's not going to help. We will. Uh, I will bring you up when I do the edit of this. So um, let's talk about the word assessment. And yeah. everybody uses assessment. I'm not sure any of us have a, a definitive paragraph or sentence that we can say this is what an assessment is. What is an assessment? Why is it important, and then why is it important, especially for nonprofit leaders? Sure. So our assessment is quite different than than a traditional assessment because we are assessing various foundational issues, such as do you have your corporate minutes in place? Have you set up your structure properly? Um, do you have do you perhaps have trademarks? And a lot of these nonprofits are sitting on potential trademarks or licensing opportunities that they may be overlooking. Um, do, did you uh, did you put a business plan in place? Do you have an exit strategy? Now, obviously, for nonprofits, an exit strategy is much different because you have to have an exit strategy in compliance with the the IRS requirements. But it's it's a matter of looking at all the various um, components of getting your structure in place and making sure that your structure is sound so that you can scale and grow. What happens, Hugh and Russell, is and you'll 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 agree with me, I'm sure. I find all too often that these small business owners, these kind of um, accidental entrepreneurs, and there's certainly many of us out there, they, they came up with this idea and they suddenly grew and they didn't pay any attention to the base. So to me, it's like building your dream home on a sinkhole and suddenly the sinkhole collapses and your whole home collapses with it. Well, I'm there to stop that from happening. I'm kind of there to help you to get your business on a solid foundation and make sure that you're not building on a sinkhole before you start spending all this time, money, and effort to scale your business. Because at the end of the day, you can only scale so far 
and it's going to come crashing down if you don't have that foundation in place. So that's what we assess. We're assessing your kind of your foundational infrastructure, and and we put, we have a customized scored report that we provide. Um, that that and then we have an, an analysis of what that score means and how you can improve your score so that your foundation is stronger. We also have a quiz that's a free uh, that we'll I'll share with with everybody on on the call. It's um it's a freebie, a free uh, online quiz that helps you to see initially kind of how committed are you and how committed is your business because our mindset might be a hundred percent but our business might not be ready to match our mindset yeah a lot of people sort of mistake the assessment and evaluation and, and these type of things they kind of look at it as well it's something i've got to do to get somebody off my back whether it's the it government <laughs> it could be the government it could be a donor but well, we're doing this because we have to. We really got work to do. Uh, and they talk about some aspects of their work when you ask them how they know they're effective. Oh, you can't measure that is the response. Uh, how much of that do you see? And how do you address that when people come at you with it? If you can tell me the answer to that, then I'll have that the, the idea that's getting me on the front cover of Entrepreneur Magazine, which is where I'm going. But it's a, it's it's challenging because what I'm dealing with, and I when I go on stage, I often say I'm I'm making broccoli great again, okay? Which is okay. always the laugh because it's really about that. Like what I'm dealing with is the broccoli of your business. It's not the ice cream. It's not the fun stuff. It's not the dot 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 dollar 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 dollar. But at the end of the day, it really is because even for a nonprofit helping you get your structure in place will allow you to get more donor dollars, allow you to have a stronger valuation, allow you to potentially grow your business more successfully. And at the end of the day, that adds zeros to your bank account. So my new messaging is actually all about show me the money because at the end of the day, if you have a strong foundation in place, you will be able to see more money, no matter if it comes from donors, from buyers, or both, because certainly a nonprofit can use for-profit, like offer for-profit products and services and make money. It's just about what happens to that money that's the key that separates it from a for-profit business. Um, you have a nonprofit yourself? I do. What's it called? It's called Find My Silver Lining, and I established it in 2017. And I assume you use this assessment yourself? I did. <laughs> um, so when you talk about this, there's um, uh, a strong element of uh, enthusiasm and passion when you talk about this. Um, was part of the inspiration seeing so many people get stuck in the mud or walk into the wall or fall off a cliff? Yeah, so um, what happened was uh, in around I want to say February of last year, uh, I, I've been a part of this coaching program and I offered to review some client agreements at no charge as a gift. And in doing so, I realized that there were many business owners in that program that um, didn't have their all of their ducks in a row, let's just say. And many had been in business for many years. And I'm not saying that that's not possible. It's very possible. But once you hit a certain threshold, 
you end up suddenly you're not a mom and pop anymore and you could be a target not just for the irs for nonprofits and for profits but for litigation potentially bankruptcy people see opportunities people want to challenge you you have a disgruntled employee whatever the case is so as soon as you're starting to scale suddenly the target your you know like your target becomes that much bigger and I kept seeing this and I was like, oh my goodness, these, these amazing business owners are exposing themselves literally to risk. And I thought there's got to be a way to address that risk and provide solutions. So ultimately what I'm building is like a home advisor or an Angie's list for business owners, including nonprofit and for-profit business owners to provide a resource of vetted certified professionals like you guys that can provide the range of services, the strategic services, legal, accounting, financial, insurance, business planning, exit strategies, all, pretty much all high level, high touch B2B services that they're just finding on the internet. And finding these resources on the internet is as bad as we used to go on in the yellow pages and somebody would pay to get a eight. I don't want to age myself, but we both know, we all know that we, we use the yellow pages. So the, you know, a, 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 so they would get to the front of that section, right? Okay. It's the same thing with Google AdWords. You pay, the more you pay, the higher you rank. So that's where they're going to get the most traction. Does it mean they're the best? No. Does it mean that they've been vetted? No, but because they're at the highest, you know, ranking, you're going to call them first. And so I'm trying to be the antithesis of that. We won't talk about the companies out there. We'll talk about them, but not by name. The companies out there that are especially providing legal services that you have no idea what you're getting. I have a, a client now that applied for a patent in June. They don't even, they didn't even know what a patent was. So no, there's, there's no guidance. There's nobody holding their hand. And in what I've been doing for so long, you know, I wrote a book called Finding Your Silver Lining in the Business Immigration Process. Everything's about finding the silver lining. And part of the reason is because to find a silver lining and, you know, through adversity, my, my nonprofit is for single mom, single moms and, and single parents to help them find their way through the clouds and find their silver lining. So it's all about that because in everything you do, if you have somebody to, to count on, a support system, you know, and entrepreneurs and small business owners are often running on empty. We, we're running on our own. We're isolated. We're trying to do something. We're trying to have an impact. And it's very hard to have an impact without the support and without the trusted advisors around you. So that's what I'm building. Um, so um, you're, <clears throat> you're an attorney. Yes. And you look at things um, differently than the ordinary person. You look at it as part of a risk assessment. Because that, that's a good way of characterizing it, yes. So you've seen, um, you've seen people get in trouble yeah. unnecess unnecessarily. Absolutely. So you're looking at the holes. Yes. We're looking at the donut. You're looking at the hole. Uh, we just it's see... Just, yeah, absolutely. We see the silver lining, but you realize that there's, there's some holes we might step in. So what... what it dawns on me you're talking about is uh, we have a corporation, either for-profit or non-profit, and that corporation is a liability shield. Yeah. So so um, without the right documents in place that people can sue you and come to you personally if they can if they can uh, pierce that that um, corporate veil. Very 
very big deal. People don't realize that. They think if they have a company, they're protected, and they're not, because there's certain ways, reasons and, and ways that, that can, they can come after you personally, yes. Well, there's, there's certain... have that shield. That's another whole dimension of, of problems. So, so the compliance piece is um, recording your contracts, putting them in your corporate record book, that your board has ratified these, your budget. Yeah, any agreements, any any uh, expenditures. So um, it, it's really about liability protection in in um, in the bottom line. But it's also about you mentioned um, it it would uh, em, empower donors. And Russell, it would also it occur to me that it would be um, we don't we don't always protect ourselves from audits, but it would be make us audit worthy if we had uh, all of our records filed. So what are you hearing here, Russ? Well, you know, it, it's, uh, for me, the first step to building a high-performance nonprofit is having that solid foundation. There are a lot of things that go in there. Uh, if you don't have the legal protection or the right structure, if you're going to grow, you have to have the right, right structure. And for nonprofit succession planning is really critical too. Uh, more, more, more so maybe than exit planning. I mean, everybody plans to operate in perpetuity. Right. Uh, you know that doesn't always happen, but to have a succession plan so that you know how things are going to flow, uh, no matter who's in the building at any given time. Right. And uh, so that structure uh, really sort of sets a nonprofit up for success, uh, mitigating risks. Uh, and I don't think a lot of nonprofits think about risk, but uh, risk is there. You have financial risks, you have legal risks, just like with any other entity. And uh, the thing that, that came to mind, actually, Lauren, was a question, because you deal with this uh, so much on the structural side. We talk about it in terms of strategy, but we defer to uh, expert legal experts, accounting experts. We defer to experts who have uh, that critical knowledge in their field that'll keep us in compliance and keep us operating correctly. So when it comes to scaling, and I know a, a lot of times growth comes out of nowhere. I mean, you, you, you catch fire, you go viral, and all of a sudden you have all of this money, you have all of these donors, you have all sorts of people approaching you. Uh, when it comes to, to being prepared uh, in this, what would you say that is the biggest gap that you see nonprofits have, or what's the most common mistake they make uh, when they're at that point in time? So I think, to, so it's really common to both nonprofits and for-profits, although nonprofits are a little more guilty of this. And what I mean is nonprofits think that because they have this designation, they're kind of um, like immune, immune from challenge or they're litigation proof or something along those lines. And that's just not the truth. Like they think, oh, nobody's gonna come after us. We're, we're a charitable organization. We have a 501c3 designation, whatever the case is. Why would they come after us? We don't have deep pockets. Really? A lot of them have deeper pockets because of the fact that they can't distrib distribute the income to the shareholders or the dividends or whatever. And so as a result, like, I mean, there's a lot of nonprofits out there that are extraordinarily successful. United Way, Red Cross, I mean, you know, a lot of the Jewish federations, I mean, 
there's a, a huge amount of donors. They're, they're very large businesses. Um, there's a colleague of mine in this coaching program as well. He runs a nonprofit. He came to the coaching program and he was looking to raise, I think, $2 million. Okay. That's what, that was his goal for the year. He ended up raising $20 million because he created this licensing program, this signature program and sold it to other nonprofits, which is amazing because that is where there's an opportunity. So it's not just, not that it's not just about assessing um, legal risk or legal vulnerability, but it's also about what about the opportunity that this presents to you? Like I was talking about trademarks, which a lot of nonprofits have access to trademarks they don't know about. So in my report, I talk not only about risk, but also about hidden fortunes, because there's a lot of possible fortunes that these business owners or in the nonprofit world, the executive director or, or the nonprofit um, board might be sitting on that they could be making a great deal of money giving back to the community and at the same time really making an even broader impact. And I think that that's where that missing link is because they, they don't think about, they don't think about a nonprofit as a business, right? They think about it as a, a charity. Okay. A lot of lawyers are guilty of this too. Lawyers and service providers. I, I'm most familiar with lawyers. Lawyers run their businesses and it's fee for service, fee for service. So part of what I've developed is this um, professional resource success plan, which outlines all the professionals that are needed to fill all the gaps in your armor and to potentially help you to scale and grow. In there, we talk about mindset and coaching and and um, opportunity and you know where do you want to go and your exit or your business succession plan and you're super right because every business needs a succession plan whether it's an exit or a legacy or whatever the case is and no matter what in order to be successful at that in order for a for-profit business to be successful at due diligence or a nonprofit to be successful at their succession planning they need that structure in place and they're just not paying attention to it they're just coasting along and thinking about how much donor money they can get that year and are they meeting their budget and are their donors happy and this is all great stuff but think about the the potential of greater greater impact if you're able to get those pieces in place and make it make that difference i i, I just it's like basically night and day and i think that for for both of you once we have the opportunity to work through this with some of your client base, you can see how much of a difference it makes because it's basically like they're, they're coming out, first they're coming out exposed and then they're going back in and now they're getting their, their hair done and their makeup and you know now they're ready, maybe they're not if they're a guy, but now they're ready to, to show themselves to the public, right? There you go. You're not getting too much hair done over there, Russell, but it's, it's a completely different mindset. If I, if I, you know, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs work in their pajamas. I could never work in my pajamas. I can barely wear sweatpants, even if I'm working from home, because that's not the mindset I want. I want to be in work mode no matter where I am. So I just, it's just really important. And I think it's the same for for-profit business owners that are running as a solo, solo, um, sole proprietor. They're not looking at it as a business. They're looking at it as a hobby. And until you make that transition and look at it as a business, you're going to stay at a certain plateau. You may scale, you may make money, but at a certain point, 
you're going to eventually collapse. Yeah, as you as you talk about that, and one of the things that comes to mind when you talk about opportunities and other things that businesses have access to, uh, business revenue is the thing that comes to mind. And uh, opportunities for mission-based revenue. Uh, you also have uh, unrelated business income. Yeah. Uh, as far as it's, it's money that's possibly left on the table because people don't really think of, about bringing a valuable service that they can think. Uh, when it comes to, to revenue generation and protecting your IP, intellectual property is very important. It should be separately maintained and protected. You know, everything should be walled off. That's a whole nother discussion. But when it comes to revenue, whether it's business related uh, or unrelated, and you, you know, when you see organizations that have one or both, what are some of the biggest pitfalls you see them fall into? So I think one of the things is that they, there, there is a limitation on not a limitation specifically, but you still have to stay true. If you're a nonprofit and you're providing for-profit services or products, you still have to stay true to your mission at the end of the day. And if you start making millions and millions of dollars and using it as a sham so that you can pass through income at a tax-free rate, you know, or, or through the nonprofit so that you can get the benefits of that or raise money to do advertising, that's where the problems happen. And, and like you said, the separation needs to be very, very, very clean because at the end of the day, and, and if you start paying, um, start paying the executive director, suddenly they get a, you know, hundred percent, um, salary increase. And the, the, where's the money coming from? Where's the money going to? Is it just kind of, are you, are you kind of circumventing the rule of not putting the money back in the pockets of the directors, but you're finding a workaround? That's where the problems happen, I think. Then there's also this issue, which I'm sure you guys are very familiar with, about fiscal sponsorship, right? And renting your nonprofit to uh, another entity. Now, there are ways to do it that are completely legal and kosher, as long as you follow the rules. But if you, again, if you're just, using your nonprofit as a sham or as a front for what you're really trying to accomplish or for your for-profit business, you're going to lose your designation. I think it's simple yeah. as that. Yeah. yeah, it's very important to put those right structures up there. So you have to have a separate structure, especially yeah. for unrelated, but related business income in any event with mission-based revenue to, to make that test hold up. You have to make sure that the vast majority of those funds are going into your programs and operation of your nonprofit to keep from creating a tax event. Now, the unrelated business income, you file separate separate returns and you pay taxes on that the way you do with others. In any event, what happens is people can get distracted and uh, people who approach your nonprofit can get confused. Uh, do you find that that nonprofits that are successful with uh, generating large amounts of, of mission-based revenue, or maybe a substantial amount, it doesn't have to be large per se, but a, a, a good percentage of the revenue that they generate. Do you, do you find that, that they have difficulty getting 
donors because they see, well, they're making plenty of money. I don't need to write them a check. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. However, it really depends, I guess, on your mission and how, how impactful it is and how broad it is. So I think that what happens with some nonprofits, and this is what should happen, is that as they become more successful financially, their mission expands beyond their original intended scope, let's say, demographically, or, you know, in terms of the people that they're helping. So, and there is room for that within the IRS code. So as long as that happens, then I don't see it as a problem. But as soon as that is not happening, or once there's a compromise of that, then it, then it does create challenges. I guess the key, the key is the structure and making sure that everything is compartmentalized and appropriately reported. And, and uh, so it's about the systems you have in place. In order to scale, you have to have really, really good, strong systems. And, and what, are the, what are the ones that you think are essential for them to have uh, first? If you had to set systems up in a specific sequence for nonprofits, uh, what 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 would that be? What sort of sequence would? Operating systems are critical for any business. I don't care what business you are. You have to have an operating system for everything that happens from the time that you answer the phone until the time that you deliver the service until after that is all the way through. Well, for the life of that relationship, you have to have a system in place for every single touch point that you have with the pro with the prospective donor with the donor, with after the donor, with following up on the donor, what do you do if the donor moves? Everything. And you have to have operating systems for all of your internal processes. So they should be externally driven, one for all your outbound sales, so to speak, um, outbound touch points and all your inbound stuff. How do people work with each other? Who's responsible for the bank account? How many people are signing checks? What, what's, the, what's the check and balance there? How does that all work? You know. Every single thing should be documented. So it's amazing because when I started this, I didn't really realize how few businesses have systems. <laughs> the only systems they have are the systems that they pulled offline. And that's even kind of an exception, not the rule. And this is true of legal documents too, because everybody goes online and finds some legal document and they say, oh, this is a, whatever it is, you know, a, an operating agreement or whatever. And, and it's just, it's it's kind of like filling out the 1023, the the um, IRS 501c3 application. Oh, this is easy. I can do this. It's it's just a bunch of forms and check boxes and whatever. If that were true, then there wouldn't be all these businesses doing that. It's very complicated. Even the 1023 easy form, you should not do that on your own because you need to make sure that you are following the rules and that you're that whatever you put in there is going to be systematized within your organization because what happens when the executive director quits one day well i'm i'm sure this has happened to your clients right it's like uh oh now what so one of my my messages is kind of about dealing with the, uh-oh, now what? You don't want to wake up in the morning going, oh boy, what is going to happen today? I just cannot even imagine going to work and, you know, Steve is doing this and Joe is doing that and Janine is doing this and not, nobody's talking to anybody and we're not having group meetings and things are falling apart and the donors are kind of like frustrated and they don't know what's going on and they're going to move their money elsewhere because they don't even know if they're going to get their 
their donation receipt at the end of the day. So it's it's a big mess and you know, it's domino, right? One messy thing leads to another, leads to another. I wish it was true as as true for the good things, but the messy things definitely have a more quick a more quick and efficient domino effect, right? This is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and and a lot of what you talked about, we call them internal controls. Yeah. Uh for IRS, <laughs> we do a, it's internal controls. How do you how do you control who handles what? Yep. Uh, what you do, what's your record keeping like? That really gives you the scope of any audit that you do. Uh, right. The scope is going to based on the uh, almost the, the uh, several things that are looked at very quickly. One is the corporate records, corporate records. Uh, and I know you mentioned that. I, I'd kind of like to to ask you to speak to that because as an auditor, when I walked into a corporation, I wanted the the internal control policies, the corporate minute book was mm -hmm. the first thing I refused. So could you so talk this, a little so bit? This was on, was this on the for-profit side? That you on the for-profit side, yes. Okay, so it's kind of though very similar because when you submit for a non-profit designation, you submit all mm -hmm. these bylaws, including one of the big ones is con a conflict resolution, I'm sorry, conflict a bylaw. I can't remember the, the title off the top of my head. It's not conflict resolution, but it's a uh, conflict of interest policy. So this is so, so, so big in the not nonprofit world. It's almost like insider trading and <laughs> in the for-profit world. And if you have created a bylaw and implemented that and a approved that and ratified that, and it's part of your corporate record book, and then you don't adhere to it, it's as good as sticking something up on the shelf or throwing it against the wall to see if it sticks. And yeah. this can put you in more harm than not even having that in the first place. So it's like you're, you're kind of purposefully going around what you've implemented, and that's not cool. So your minute book, it depends obviously on, on your state because some minute books are more like Delaware is very strict on their minute book requirements and their their um, updates, but you know, Florida is a little less strict and the not nonprofit requirements are that much different. But at the end of the day, you need to follow your policies. If your policy, if your byline policy said, I'm gonna we're gonna have a board of directors meeting once a quarter, you need to have that board of directors meeting and reflect that and put it in the minute book once a quarter. Because if you don't, and you know, I'll tell you something that probably you don't know, and I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but if there are nonprofits or for-profit businesses out there that want help with their money books, we can fix them after the fact, as long as it's before the auditor comes in. It's, it's you know, you just have to get everything up to date and in place. That's the important thing. Can't fudge it, but it's okay if you don't do it the very minute that you're supposed to do it, as long as you get it done. And so let's get together you know, call us and we can get it done with you so that we can make sure that you're not going to have a problem if the IRS shows up at your door or any other entity yeah. for that matter. Although today, I guess they're not coming so fast because they're still unfortunately on strike or not on strike, but the shutdown. Yeah. Well, the greater likelihood uh, over the last few years is that a state regulator would come walking into your office uh, because of the reduction inside, you know, the money has been moved out of regulation. That's a whole nother discussion. Isn't but, it? <laughs> but uh, the, the, the bylaws, articles, and corporations are 
these are things, and you, it's true with the 1023. There are certain things that you represent that you're going to do. And what the auditors do is they look at your books, they look at your bylaws. Are you doing what you say you're going to do? So I know there, there, there are laws out there, but we go by what you say that you state that you're going to do. That's a huge portion of what an auditor would look at mm -hmm. as to, to, to determine if you're on track, if you're in compliance, uh, are you doing what you say you're going to do? So these are things that are important to kind of put on the table. And uh, with, with good systems in place, and it takes a little time to do this, but once you have them in place, the operation smooths out. Am, am I on track with that? Well, hopefully, but again, it's just like anything, you know, you could have paper that's in a book or, or online, and then it's a matter of implementing and enforcing. So uh, I, I, unfortunately, we are all guilty at some point in time of creating a policy. <clears throat> Look, I'm guilty of it with my child. You know, the consequences are not consistent, and so his behavior continues from time to time. My fault, because I'm not consistent in enforcing the consequence. Same goes for a minute book. It's the same concept. It's like, you can, you know, a lot of people, just like setting up a nonprofit and using it as a sham, a lot of companies, unfortunately, put things into place just to cover their, you know what, and... Yeah. And, and that's it. It's just, it sits on the shelf or they do it just to be in compliance. But if they're not honoring it and, and adhering to it, whatever operating system or internal control or external control you have, it won't matter because you can't just suddenly say, oh, well, wait, I have a policy for that. If you haven't enforced it for the past three years and the person's been doing whatever they've been doing, or they've been sending money to the, you know, their brother's been sending them money or whatever. I'm, I'm you know, I'm being kind of a little far-fetched here but the reality is that there's a lot of this that goes on and as more and more for-profit businesses set up non-profit entities this is really a, an ongoing problem and I think that it's a it's all a matter of training at the end of the day a lot of it and if they're if your people are not trained properly on what your policies mean it's just only a piece of paper so you need to have the policy, you need to create the manual, create the operating policies, create the training, train your people, get them to buy in, you know, have them involved, get, and have consequences for non-compliance. So it's kind of a range of things that needs to happen. And have a third party designated to kind of oversee that process so that it doesn't all fall on the executive director to be the bad Absolutely. That's why you have board members and advisors. That's, that's why we have uh, uh, board members. They're, they really have fiduciary and governance oversight. Um, so let's go back to this assessment. It, it sounds kind of painful and expensive. So what's involved, if I wanted to go through the process and take the assessment, um, what's involved in doing the assessment? And then what do I get from that? And does it help me figure out how to do all of this? Because it sounds a little bit scary right now. It does sound scary, but we don't, we don't let it be scary. I'm, I'm, I'm the non-scary lawyer. Um, so the, I have a quiz that's actually free. Um, it is not specifically oriented to the nonprofit world yet. We will be doing a quiz for the nonprofit world. And I think you that you and I have discussed this. So we're going to create a special quiz 
The quiz is free and I'll be happy to share it with your listeners. It's uh, scaleupcheckupquiz.online, scaleupcheckupquiz.online. And you can take that quiz and it takes you about two minutes. It's fun, it's cute. And then we can set up a quick call to discuss your needs. The assessment is $47, which I can share a $20 coupon code. So basically that makes it $27. The assessment comes with a score. It's a customized score that, uh, that kind of highlights your, your issues and lets you know how at risk you are and also gives you um, access to my calendar for a quick call. The assessment and a strategy session is only 197 and that gives you time to go through the assessment results and talk about how they could be improved. How can you improve your score so that your bottom line is better? And the, the next piece, which is our kind of big ticket item, which is our big deliverable, it, the regular price for that is $9.97. However, Hugh, you and, you and I and, and Russell can talk about um, a special delivery product for the nonprofit world, and we can get a coupon code because I don't want to charge that much for people that are in the nonprofit world. But it's a beautiful, it's a blueprint, and it shows you everything that you need to scale up your business successfully, all the people that you need. Then we create a strategy based on your budget and your priorities. So if your priority is to get a business plan in place because you want to build um, a facility, then that is the priority we're going to focus on first. But that's all going to come out of this deep dive analysis and success plan that we build for you. Well, that sounds interesting. So it's um, the, the, the quiz, but anybody could take that. We, we try to... Um, convince those that are running and it's really a bad word nonprofit it's it's a misnomer yeah. um, those who are in a tax-exempt enterprise a for-purpose organization that it, they're really there's a, there's a high level of well it's very critical let's say that we establish good sound business principles and if you have an organization you should run it uh, responsibly it's good stewardship of nothing nothing else so um, the, uh, the quiz, it, it, we could evaluate it as a, as a tax-exempt business, but where does it, it's, it's scale-up, check-up, quiz? Scale-up-check-up-quiz.online. Dot online. And that, that gives them the free quiz. Then you yeah. fill, out, fill out something, and then they get a chance for you to interpret it to them. Is that what I heard you say? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, then the uh, assessment uh, could be available through Center Vision Leadership Foundation for yeah. people who want to um, find out how much trouble they're in. <laughs> and, and then there's a prescriptive, you said, this is what you do about it. Yes, well, not exactly. The prescriptive is more detailed in the success plan. The, the, the assessment, um, if they do the assessment with the, with the strategy session, we'll give them some ideas and some tips of how to improve their score. But truthfully, it's really going to be the success plan that's going to give them a blueprint of all the things that they should do to get their structure more sound, so that they can so that they can accomplish their goals. So there's um, um, your your basic website is scaleupcheckup.com. Scaleupcheckup.com, and we have that logo on the interview uh, record. So when people come to the nonprofitexchange.org. Um, they'll see your scale up checkup and there's a link to your site. Um, and so there, 
there's, there's everything that they need to know about the products that you just talked about, the assessment. Um, there's a toll-free call. You can, they can contact you. But it, it kind of, you have this, this, um, this branding, this purple thing that has an elegance about it. Um, so that's... I've always been into purple. My, my, my existing brand has been purple. I actually, for as long as I've had a brand, I've had purple. Yeah. So that's on your, that's on your site. And um, so people can go to scale up, check up that calm and they can learn, learn about you. So <clears throat> um, what if we not ask you that, that people need to know about this whole, this whole line of, of really it's risk mitigation, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think that the real, the real question is, so what if I don't do it? Right. <clears throat> So what if I don't get my stuff in place? What happens? What if I, when, how do I get caught? What, how, you know, what's the risk? So there's huge risk as, as Russell knows, having been an auditor, um, you risk not only for the nonprofit or the for purpose organization, losing your designation, piercing the corporate veil, as you mentioned, Hugh, which means they go beyond the business and to you personally. So you can lose your, own personal assets you know you put your family at risk I mean these are very serious serious issues that people just don't want to deal with they they want to deal with numbers and money at the end of the day numbers and money this is going to get you more numbers and money than than any sale is ever going to get you because you're going to your sales going to be stopped dead in its tracks so all the time and effort that you've spent on making that sale will be stuck in in like and it, unable to move forward because you haven't done what you needed to do when you want to create a strategic partnership or a synergy well, for example you and i with Synervision, if we if we have a joint venture or a strategic partnership we want to make sure that we both have passed certain due diligence either with you know with the with the um, compliance checks or whatever, that we have our business in place, that our licenses are kosher, that everything is right and everything is in place. Otherwise, I don't want to do business with you and you don't want to do business with me. And that's what these business owners are going to face. So they could have a multi-million dollar prospect on, their, on the table. I have a client I was working with for a short time. They were about to enter into this multi-million dollar project, um, this multi-million dollar deal with a very big name. Big, okay? Big, one of the biggest. Not the biggest, but one of the biggest. I'm, I'm trying to see Russell's face, but I can't see it because it's small. But I think he's smiling. And so this, they were unwilling. They didn't have their minute book records in place. For three years, they hadn't done a single document. And because this company is so big and so successful, they wanted to see that all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. Do you know that this company would not pay me to get their records up to date was like I don't know five thousand dollars or something like that it wasn't nothing because they didn't want to they just didn't want to deal with it so they lost the deal multi-million dollars and then they went back and said oh we'll do it now and it was too late because they they could have had it done and they would have been at the table this is what happened you miss you lose your seat at the table that that nice conference table behind you you you're going to lose your seat at the table you're going to have somebody come after you and sue sue you, whether it's a disgruntled employee. You're going to have the IRS after you. You're going to not have access to potential huge opportunities with your intellectual property. I mean, you're just putting yourself at risk 
every which way and losing out on potential opportunities to make a fortune. So instead, why don't we just have a conversation and see how we can help you to scale your business successfully and painlessly and, and not violate your 501c3 designation or your, your company bylaws, whether you're for-profit or non-profit for purpose. And I think there's a lot of for-profit corporations that are also that are also purposeful. So I, I think that it, it's, it's all confusing, right? Because I try to have a purpose and make an impact, even though I have a, for, a for-profit company. So it's just, there's just so many different ways that we could create opportunity for you as a company, you as a business owner, all of your clients to scale and grow successfully. It just seems kind of silly to throw that opportunity away because of fear of the unknown. Yeah, it is. So this is um, really a huge inventory of, of important things that people really don't know to ask about. So Russell, before we, we do our closing sequence here, do you have any uh, another issue we need to bring before this lady? Well, I was thinking about a point that you made earlier, and I think it, it's worth emphasizing again. Uh, there are a lot of tools out there. People find templates and, and uh, different guides to build contracts and build agreements with. Nothing wrong with them. The problem is that people don't have them reviewed by somebody that has the knowledge that's necessary to make sure that everything is in there to protect yourself with. And so just grabbing something, the other thing people don't do is they don't read the fine print in their own contract. Yeah. So they create something that they're gonna adhere to if they don't have it reviewed. Uh, and they look at it with, with, the, with the eyes that, okay, this is going to protect us from other people. They may not be protecting themselves from themselves by saying, what is it that we're agreeing to do? So uh, how common is it that, that you see people with, with these boilerplate uh, templates and um, how can they get them reviewed? I mean, they definitely need to have them reviewed is it something that's going to break the bank? Because I think that's what stops a lot of people from no. doing that. So, so thank you for asking that question. One of my signature speeches is the seven secret scale-up success strategies. And in one of the seven secrets is don't download a boilerplate template from the internet. Get it reviewed. Now, there's multiple reasons to have it reviewed, some of which you addressed. Also, they could name the wrong party. They don't know who's who. They could pull the wrong template. It may be a perfect template, but not for the right situation. They might think they need X and they need Y. It could be covered with a bunch of legalese that nobody even understands, even the lawyers. You know, I wrote a, an agreement uh, last week. It was actually a nonprofit agreement for a lawyer. Okay. I, I, helped, I was working with this lawyer and I wrote that he said, I want it to be two pages. This was the lawyer telling the other lawyer that he wants the agreement to be two pages. I go, that's just not possible. I can make it four. But he's like, I'm like laughing. I saw him last night. I'm like, two pages? <laughs> so it's just so funny because we're really trying to condense things and make them more concise because it, you get lost in it. So no, it's not, I can't give you a flat fee. However, we do have packages that include a whole range of services, including review of up to, I think it's five agreements of up to 10 pages each. And we have them on monthly not, not five agreements per month, but we have monthly packages, we have semi-annual packages, we have annual packages. And really, you just need to grab one of those, not go to some of those online services, but actually have somebody that you can trust 
somebody that you can contact, somebody you can text, a live person that can help you to actually look at those agreements and see what's missing or see what's not. You know, there's what's missing is almost as bad or often worse than what's not missing. You, you're not going to catch everything. No lawyer is even going to catch everything because I don't know exactly what every single business owner wants to accomplish. But if you don't have it reviewed, you, you can't, you know, you're pretty much putting yourself like you may as well jump in a, in the ocean without, um, without a, a life preserver. Well, this is really, really helpful information. Uh, Lauren, thank you. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a sponsor message here. Then we're going to come back to you for, What's a closing thought or tip for people? What do you what do you want to leave people with? And then Russ uh, closes out our interview. This is called the Nonprofit Exchange. So if you go to the nonprofitexchange.org, it'll lead you to Cinevision Leadership Foundation's online community for community builders. It's a place where nonprofit leaders all over gather. We have forums for discussing these these topics that are that are controversial. We have um, years and years worth of these interviews uh, with really important thought leaders and the the different levels of membership I'll talk about. But but you'll have this one in there uh, for for a period of time, and then with different membership levels, you have more and more content. Uh, there's a place for you to ask questions. There's a weekly Q and A uh, at, at a at the higher membership level. So there is a place that you can convene with other nonprofit leaders so that you know you're not alone and that other people have the same kinds of questions that you do. And the, what I'm taking away from Lauren's interview today is there, there are things about running an enterprise that we don't even know we're supposed to know. Our goal at Center Vision Leadership Foundation is to bring you data so that you can be a better leader because your organization can only improve as much as your ability to lead it there. So nothing happens until we, we develop the skill set to take our organizations, not to the next level, but all the way to the top, the, the best it can be. So Jim Rohn used to say, work on yourself harder than you work on your business. Our constant motto is work on self, work on the self, work on self. We build teams, and we build organizations, and through that, we build revenue streams. Then we have experts like Lauren uh, on, our, on our ancillary team that can be our advisor when we need somebody like that. So if you go to thenonprofitexchange.org, you'll see um, this interview and the one that was last week. You'll see a button where you can look at all the videos from previous interviews, but at the top of the page, there is a button that says Join. And so you join the community. There's a gift for you. Um, you can join for free. You can join for $9.95 a month, and it gets you a whole lot more content and um, ability to be on the forum with uh, other leaders like you and talk about those difficult subjects even in the middle of the night. And then at the top level, it's $47 a month, and you get huge discounts on continuing learning programs to help yourself stay ahead of the curb. You get special webinars and you get this time with me every week, Thursdays at three with Hugh. Um, so there's lots of benefits at the different levels and it's, it's an investment in your future by investing in you. So if you go to the nonprofitexchange.org, you'll see today's interview 
but at the top of that page, click on join, look at one of the offers and you can change it up or down later. So get in there, there's some free stuff for you. So you might as well get it, thenonprofitexchange.org. So Lauren, what do you want to, what thought do you want to leave people with or a challenge or a tip? Um, think about your nonprofit or purposeful for-profit business or purposeful nonprofit business, charitable organization as a business. Look at it, take it seriously. It deserves your attention. It deserves um, the attention of professionals. Don't try to be everything to your organization. Bring in the professionals that you can trust to accomplish the goals that you need. And I am available to speak with any of you about how to scale up your nonprofit. And I look forward to working with you guys, Hugh and Russell. Russell, pleasure to meet you and uh, collaborating with you further. I think we're onto something great here. So don't, don't, don't take the risk of losing all that you've built because you're afraid to make a phone call or send an email. Well, thank you, Lauren. This has been really enlightening and uplifting conversation. And here at Center Vision Leadership, we have all sorts of people like Lauren uh, that are here. Uh, you can get this podcast and other podcasts at the iTunes store on, on, or on Stitcher. So uh, come join the community and have a chance to plug in, hold conversations with people so that you're not doing things by yourself. Center Vision Leadership Foundation is your source for all things nonprofit. If we don't have the answers, we know people like Lauren who do have those answers. And so until next week, we do have a webinar coming up in a few hours where he was going to talk about this five pillars of success. You want to be here for that. Be here again next week at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern, Nonprofit Exchange, where we will bring you another thought leader who will talk about ways that you can build, scale, grow, and protect what you're doing uh, so that you can go forth and be helpful to more people. The better your structure, the better your systems, the more people you're going to serve. And the big secret about scaling up is that it's no secret when you talk to people like Lauren. I'll see you all next week. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.